Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Amen. Continuing on, message number two, okay? Book of Acts, chapter number nine. Acts, chapter number nine, verses one through nine. The word of the Lord says, Then Saul, breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or even women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told you what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. And from this passage, we want to minister the subject, It's hard to kick against the goads. It is hard to kick against the goads. The story of Saul's conversion is fascinating, phenomenal, and even mysterious in some ways. How the Lord took a man who persecuted the church, who murdered the church, who traveled as far as he could to find Christians to put them to death. God said, I'm going to take the persecutor And turn him into a preacher. God has his way of, yes, drawing those who are open. Drawing those who are hungry. But there is also an aspect of God's grace and love and mercy that has its way of even drawing the people that are against it. That people fight hard to not believe in it. The people that are fighting hard to bring it down. The people that are trying to do everything they can to get into the way of this church. And what happens is the harder they fight, the harder God converts. The harder they resist, the harder that God comes against them. Amen. God has his way of matching whatever you bring to the table. That's why Saul experienced the shining of a great light, so bright that it knocked him off of the horse that he rode in the thunderous voice of God. Why are you persecuting me? It's not good for you to do this. It's hard for you to do this. And he struck him with blindness and he did not eat or drink for three days. You know, it's, I don't really know if I've ever heard of a conversion like that. I don't really know of it, anything like that. I've told you before, I was playing my Game Boy when God first talked to me. I didn't fall out of my chair. I didn't see a great light. I didn't hear a booming voice. I could feel love in my heart. And something said, put the toy down, and I did. And I came to the Lord. 
You know why? I was sensitive to God. I was open for God. But some of us in here were kind of tough. Some of us in here were pretty stubborn. And it's those type of people that have these type of stories. They're sitting in church. And yes, you slide out of your seat on the floor. You're laid out almost in a trance for several hours. Because the harder you fight God, the harder he is going to strike you. Amen. Now, some of you may be saying, I thought God was loving. Why would he strike anybody with blindness? Why would he knock anybody down on the ground? That sounds so mean. Hey, I would rather be blind a couple days and knocked off my horse than spend eternity in hell. And I say, God, whatever you got to do to get my attention, do it. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord? Amen. Saul threatened the church, the Bible says, with his very own breath. He spoke threats. It was trash talking to the church. And anything he'd do to persecute, the Bible calls in Acts chapter 9 and other places, the way. If you're reading the book of Acts and you come across that phrase, the way, you know what you are reading there? The organized aspect of the church. And I'm telling you that because there's several out there on the fringes of Christianity that are against organizations. If they're against organizations, they're against the book of Acts. Because there were several organizations in the book of Acts. You had what was called the Brethren. That was the church in Jerusalem. And then you had what was called the Way. That was the church in Israel outside of Jerusalem. You know, some people don't believe in organized religion. I'm like, does God want disorganized religion? No, God wants everything to be in order. He wants everything to have a pattern. He wants everything to have a structure. And I thank God for the United Pentecostal Church who has been nothing but good to TLC all of these years. Amen. Praise God. He wanted to tear apart the organization. And that's what the devil does. He loves to tear apart organization. The devil loves that independent attitude that I don't need anybody. I don't need no friends. I'm going to isolate that's why the book of Proverbs says, those who isolate become fools unto themselves. God likes it to be together. He likes community. He likes connection. But it's the devil who tends to fragment and to destroy and think, I don't need nobody. I'm just going to survive on my own. You're going to have a hard time enjoying heaven. Because there ain't going to be no isolation in heaven. Oh, no, it's all of us together. All of us around the throne worshiping the Lord together. And if you're going to be friends with somebody in heaven, you might as well be friends with the church here on this earth. Can you say amen? Paul wanted to go through a legal matter to persecute the Christians. He wanted it to be legislated, so he sought for letters from the chief councils. And he, and he took those papers and, and knocking on the doors and finding the synagogues and the churches with those letters that says, see right here, what you do is illegal. I've got legislation for it. Now, this, this, this is my sermon notes, okay? Don't be afraid of this, all right? He, legislation, that's the spirit of Antichrist. That's the spirit of the beast. Daniel foresaw this. His prophecy says so, that in the end of days, the man of sin, the beast, will seek to change times and laws. Meaning, laws will be changed to make Christianity illegal. To make what we do go against Culture to make what we do to be a threat at the overall progression of society. 
And that has gotten into many nations of this world. Christianity has become illegal. The worship of the true God is illegal. And that same spirit is trying to get into the, into the United States of America where it's no longer God is God, but man becomes God. Your government becomes God. You become your God. And it's being done through the changing of laws. And that's what Paul was doing. It is no wonder God was so strong against him. And he sees a great light. He sees a great light from heaven. I have had some similar experiences to this. I have been in this church service and looked up and sometimes will dim the lights a little bit in altar call, you know, and I've looked up and it's like a greater light is on this platform. I have observed this light into some people's countenances as they pray and seek the Lord. It's like their countenance lightens up. I have seen this up in the baptism tank. You look up at people and you see their faces are more lit up than anybody else on the platform. God has his way of doing this. I told you the story. We had a lady in this church several weeks ago. I came up to her in the altar and prayed for her. And I noticed when I prayed for her, she almost looked startled when I came walking up to her. And after we prayed, she said, Brother Justin, when you were praying for me, right next to you stood a large pillar of light, a large pillar of light. The Lord had opened her eyes in that moment, and she saw an angel of the Lord up here on this platform. And later that week, uh, uh, an accident happened, and it could have been a lot worse. But through the help of the Lord, God has protected that sister in this church. Amen. I believe God wants us to see things. I believe God wants us to have supernatural experiences. Now, the Bible clearly says no man has seen God. But we have seen, a generation did see God manifested in the flesh. But that doesn't mean that you and I can't see manifestations of God. For instance, I used to use this illustration when I was a youth pastor. You probably can't see it, but I have a picture of myself, my wife, and my children on my phone up here. You're to look at this picture. You don't see my family. Instead, you see a picture of my family. You are getting a small glimpse of what they are. You are seeing an image of my family. And that is what happens anytime somebody sees a manifestation of God. Whether it's by a dream or whether by a vision or something like that, some people see a great light. Brother Johnson will probably talk about this. This was happening in the early days of Pentecost as it was forming when people would just to get together and they didn't have an order of service. They didn't even want an order of service. They said, we're going to put away, you know, the structure and we're just going to come together and seek God. And many of them report that in their writings that they would pray and all of a sudden right there where they were, sometimes in brush arbors, sometimes in old warehouses, wherever they were praying, many of them reported seeing great light filling the room. And when you see that, do not be afraid. It is a sign that God is near. Can you say amen? This light was so powerful. This light was so crisp. And this light was so special. It was like God was saying, your letters against my people. You worked so hard at getting letters to come against me. I am now going to change that. Instead, use your letters to preach salvation to people. I am now going to use your letters to be a blessing to the churches of the living God. It's amazing to see that and, and to, to hear that from people. You know, you hear stories about 
men and women who were musicians for the world and played in sinful environments, and God changed all of that and set all of that straight. And instead of giving up the music, they, instead of playing for the world and playing for the party, amen, they come in and play for God and play for his presence, amen. God did that with Saul. He took the power of letter writing and the power of legal documents and used him to write probably most of the New Testament that we had. And you never know what God will use, amen, in your talents that you used to use for this world. And maybe some of you got to stir up your heart something that you did before Christ. He's given you an idea of something you can do now. Can you say amen? When Paul saw this light, the voice of the Lord spoke to him, saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he questioned him. He didn't say, who are you? He didn't say, who's that talking? But instead, he realized and understood what was going on with this light. And he said, who are you, my Lord? He asked in the Hebrew tongue, who are you, my Elohim? Who are you, my Adonai? It was like right then and there. He knew it wasn't Satan. He knew it wasn't a false god that maybe the pagans worshipped. He knew right then and there, that is the god that I have been worshipping my entire life. The light of God opened up his eyes and the revelation was there. And the Lord said, I'm Jesus whom you persecute. You are not persecuting just people. But what you are doing affects me. It affects me. And I want to tell you, church, anytime you are persecuted, anytime you are mocked, anytime somebody comes against you for what you believe in and how you live, never for one moment think that they are attacking you. It's not about you, but they are attacking God. That's how the Lord views it. They are attacking God. And that really does help your emotions, by the way. It helps you take the personal feelings out of it. And you realize they're coming against God. They've got issues with God. And that's how you can help the conversation go and figure out why are they offended at God? Why are they upset at God? And before you know it, amen. They can forgive, they can get over it, and they can become a great apostolic Christian someday. Amen. But Paul addressed him as Lord. Instead of Paul saying, who are you? What authority are you? Instead, he called in the highest term that a Hebrew would ever give to a deity, and that is, you are my Lord. It was the first step to his submission to the Lord. And God said something that is so peculiar. He says, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. That sounds just like Jesus. Jesus used terms relating to agriculture in his earthly ministry. He would say, my kingdom is like a farmer going out and sowing seeds out into the field. He used sometimes uh, sailors, fishermen lingo. You know, talked about uh, stories of a man looking for a pearl of great price and things like that and, and merchants of the earth. The Lord would refer to his kingdom to be like trees and like mustard seed and mountains and valleys and all of these things. The Lord here is doing the same thing with Saul. He is using an agriculture term that everybody would have been familiar with back day. And he uses the illustration of an ox goad. Now, some of you, I guess, in here live on farms. For the most of us, you know, a lawnmower is about as country as we get, all right? Let me tell you what an ox goad is. Back then, they would take a wooden stick 
and they would attach a very sharp metal point to the end of it. And most commonly, a farmer, when he's plowing with his ox and has got the plow behind him, to keep the ox moving straight, he would take that goad and he would poke him. If the ox began to go right, he would poke him. On the right side, get left. If he started going left, he'd poke him saying, get right. Sometimes they would take these goads and not even use them by hand, but they would build a device around their ox so that if they moved, that goad would poke them. It was a phrase used. It's hard to kick against the goad because an ox, whenever it would feel pain, it would move real loud and start kicking and scraping and start fighting that. And the farmer would get frustrated. He's trying to tell his ox, don't you know the more you move and the more you fight and the more you try to get off course, the more hurt you're going to feel, the more harder this is going to be upon you. Don't be a dumb animal. Sorry, forgive me. I love pets. I love animals. I do. But that's what the farmer was trying to teach the ox, that the more you resist me, the more you do what you want to do and not what I want to do, the more hurt you are going to feel. And that is what God says to Paul. You are like an ox plowing for me. And the harder you resist, the more stubborn you are, the harder life is going to be for you. The more you resist my will, the more you resist my way, the more of a struggle you are going to have in your life. It's like telling this ox, the more you rebel, the harder and the more deeper that goad, that point is going to go into your flesh. God told Paul later on through a disciple that came and baptized him that you will have to suffer many things. And you read about the life of Saul who later became Paul. He did suffer many, as it were, goads. He had poor eyesight. And he had various bouts of serious physical sickness. Some experts believe that Paul had horrible gallbladder trouble and other various organs in his body throughout his life and ministry. Paul, the man who could raise the dead, the one who could open the eyes of the blind, unstop the deaf ears, perform miracle after miracle, he himself struggled with eyesight problems. He himself struggled with physical problems. The man who could heal other people could not heal himself in various instances. You know, we tend to think that when we come to God and come to church that all of a sudden life is going to be perfect. That all of a sudden good comes our way. And as we walk in the, through the Lord in our life with him, we realize, no, God didn't come to promise us to make us happy. And he didn't come to make everything perfect for us. But one day he will up in heaven, praise God. But here in this life, God knows exactly what we need to make it. For some of us, it's good things. And for some of us, it is bad things. I've seen it before. Here in the Life Church, you have couples that come in, they get saved, they do very well, and God uh, restores their life, restores their marriage, restores their business, and all of a sudden things are perfect, and they're like, oh, everything's great now. We don't need God anymore. And they go back out into the world, and all of the good things God did, God said, if you're not going to serve me, I'm not going to serve you. You're not going to be good to me, I'm not going to be good to you. And God takes his hand off everything he gave them, and all of a sudden their life falls apart. 
And they come running back to God. It's like the prodigal son. When danger comes your way, when trouble comes your way, it tends to motivate us. And Paul even talks about this. I truly believe that God allowed him to have the physical ailments that he had to keep him praying, to keep him serving the Lord, to keep him on the pathway of God. That's what the trouble did for him. It was like God taking the goad and keeping him aligned with his will. Paul said, messengers of Satan came to trouble me. What I believe that is, is God would stir up, as it were, the spirit of Judas, the enemy within Paul's inner close circle, and he would have people betray him. The Apostle Paul, the man who had thousands of converts in pagan cities, places that were bound with darkness, having all of those converts, all of those disciples that he made, even he had people that betrayed him. That was making it hard to kick against the goads. And even thirdly, Paul said, I battled with the beasts of these cities. I was severely attacked by demonic spirits. Physical health problems, betrayal, and fighting the devil. I know some of you can't identify with that because you're the type of person that God just tends to spoil, right? You know, my parents loved all four of us kids. But can I tell you this? Sometimes it felt like Dad was a little harder on me than any of the rest of them. You want to know why? I used to think it was favorites. No. Because God gives parents insight into what each of their children need. Some of your children you got to be a little bit harder on. Some of them you got to get a little more stricter because you know what's going to happen in their future. It's going to require a little bit of it. I'm just saying. God is that way with his people. And I look at these things that Paul went through and I can identify with some of that. It's like God is saying the greater the anointing, the greater the calling, the greater the purpose, the greater the pain. The greater the goad is going to be. The greater of the force of God's will is going to be. You know, for some of us, when we come to the Lord, it's like God rolls out the red carpet. I mean, you raise your hands and right then and there, bam, you're just baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost and it's always there. Amen. You get baptized. Amen. Your, your baptism robe fits so good. Your picture is taken just perfect. And everybody just loves on you and you're just like the perfect saint at the live church. Well, some of us like me had to seek for the Holy Ghost for about three years before I received it. Some of us in here, I don't know, it's like the pastor's son. Everybody expects the pastor's son to be special. And if something was going bad in the youth group, everybody looked right at me. It's like the PK, you know, stereotype, right? Some of us go through what Paul went through. Our salvation is hard. The road we walk for the Lord is troubling. It's not because God doesn't love us. It's not because God doesn't care. But what God is saying, the purpose I have for you is so strong. And my will is so specific that I've got to have sharp objects all around you 
to keep you in line. The cities that Paul went to, the generation that he had to reach, the pagans that practiced perversion to establish churches where Christ was never named, that required some serious force. That required some serious expectation. And how God kept Paul focused on that was sometimes physical sickness. It was betrayal. It was having to battle spiritual warfare. Because you think about this, physical sickness will make you pray. Oh, yeah. Mm. Somebody who you thought loved you, somebody who you thought was on your side, somebody who thought cared for you, betrays you, that'll make you pray. And all the devils, oh, my God. They will make you pray. And when a saint has those things in your life and you're wondering, why am I not getting healed? Why the betrayal? Why is God changing my friends and changing the scenery of my life? And why do I feel like I'm up against the devil? Is there something wrong with me? What God is saying to you is, I'm trying to make it hard for you to resist my will. Because my hand is upon your life to do something great in this generation. Praise God. I feel a moment of conviction right now. Why don't we just raise our hands right now and talk to the Lord right now? I love you, Jesus. I feel, Lord, a revelation has come to somebody right now. And, Lord, I pray you just help us to understand why things are the way they are. And I pray the remainder of this service, that it's life-changing. That, Lord Jesus, God, you would change the way we think and feel about the trouble in our life. In Jesus' name, the musicians would please come. It's hard for you to kick against the goads, church. It's difficult. The more you fight the will of God, the more pain you will feel. So what do you do? How do you keep from getting those goads poking you? Stay in God's light. Stay in his light. Never, ever forget where you came from. You, know, you read the story of King David. He became great. The Lord magnified him. The Lord excelled his kingdom. And he became uplifted in pride. And what did the Lord say to him through the prophet? I took you from the sheep herd. I took you from being a lowly shepherd and put you here. God was reminding David, never forget where you came from. That's how you stay in God's light, Saul. Never forget you were one who used to persecute my people. Never forget where I brought you from. Always reference Jesus as your Lord, meaning that, yes, he's your friend. Yes, he is your companion. Yes, he is your Savior. But never forget, he is Lord. Never forget that he is sovereign. Never forget that he is boss. Obey him. Follow him. Listen to him. Thirdly, yes, obey his voice. Whatever God has spoken to you in your thoughts, in your dreams, and what he has spoken to you in this word, Go where he is said to go. And if God says, go there and wait, you must wait. God says, I want you to fast, you must fast. If God is saying, I will bring you through a time of uncertainty, then you must go through a time of uncertainty. Stay in his light.
reference him as Lord, obey his voice, and go where he says go and wait. Amen. Let's all stand. Praise the Lord. I'm having trouble even talking. I just feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. Praise God. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you for my burden is light. The yoke of this world is heavy. The burden and the bondage of this world is troublesome. But you can be sure that when you have the yoke of the Lord upon you, it's the easiest thing you've ever done. There will be problems. There will be trouble. There will be barriers. But the burden is so light. I love it whenever I pray for somebody and they repent of their sins and they come to the Lord. I love hearing them say, I feel like a weight has been lifted off of me. I've seen that happen in the baptism tank. When I'm down here, I can see it. I can read their lips. They say, I feel like a weight has been lifted off of me. You know why? Because you have been taken from the world's yoke. It's an ox language. And God's little light yoke is on you. That yoke is easy to steer. But from time to time, we tend to want to get out of God's yoke. That's where those goads come in. To keep us right there in line. COVID-19, Brother Cisco said it, Pastor has said it, others have said it. I don't know if God has given us the authority we want truly over it. I don't know of anybody where COVID-19 was literally cast out of their body. I've heard of people that God miraculously gave them strength to fight it. But it's a disease that is different right now for the church. I wonder if COVID-19 is one of God's goads. To shake up the church a little bit. To change us in areas that we needed to change. To be ready for his will. This altar is open tonight to anybody who identifies with what Paul went through. That you feel like your conversion and your walk with God has been hard. And you've wanted it to be glamorous. And you've wanted it to be glorious. And you've wanted it to be so special. But God has revealed and talked to you tonight. No, I'm not doing that for you. I do it for a few other people. But for you, i got something special for you. And for you to fulfill what I want you to do in your life, it's going to be a little rough on you. Because you resisted me. And I know your temperament. And I've got to keep you in line. So I'm going to bring the goads. I'm going to bring a little sickness every once in a while. I'm going to bring a little bit of betrayal every once in a while. And I'll even allow the devil to attack you like he did to me and my apostles. If you feel like you identify with that, I welcome you, amen, to just get out of your seat right now and come down to this altar. Tonight is the night of revelation. Tonight is the night, amen, God is going to help you revisit that light. Tonight is the night, amen, God is just going to remind you that you've got something special. And the reason why maybe you feel like the Lord is sometimes a little impatient with you, it's because he wants you to be special. He wants you to be, amen, something set apart. Amen. This is a night between you and the Lord right now. It's a night to really open the Lord. And if you truly will, God will open up to you tonight. This is the book of Acts Church. It's not always Acts 2.38 around here. It's not always Pentecost around here. But, oh, no, it's sometimes Acts 9. Sometimes you will feel knocked down. Sometimes you will feel like you've got to fast. Sometimes you will feel like you can't see. And it's not out of hate, but it's out of love. It's not out of disappointment, but rather God's purpose.
It's not to make you go, why, why, God? Oh, no, God is saying, I want you to find my will. And the only way you can do that is when you feel, amen, the poke of the goad of God. And only, amen, you can feel just a little bit of that sting of the Holy Ghost. It's to keep you in line. It's to keep you plowing straight lines in that field, church. Amen. God is using this virus and this pandemic and the curtain chaos we're in to trust him, to seek him, to feel after him. Amen. Won't you call out to your Lord right now? Won't you call out to this Jesus right now? Amen. The moment of conviction has come to the church tonight. Amen. Call out to your Lord tonight and call him Lord, Lord, Lord. I worship you. Don't you lift up your voice tonight and say, Lord, I will go. I will follow. I will stay in your will. I will stay in line. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, 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 Jesus.